3, 2, 1. And welcome to D-Bad, the Don't Be a Dickhead podcast. Here we are on episode eight. I'm John Gilbert and... I'm Ian Thompson. And... Oh. I'm Alex King. Oh, newbies. <laughs> What's this? Surely Hello. that's an extra voice I can hear. Slid into our <laughs> Skype call. Yeah, so we figured that after seven episodes, the audience would be um, pretty much bored of Ian and I. So we've uh, we've got a new new person. So Alex, welcome along to Dbad. Thank you very much. We should just point out that Alex is neither of our partners. We, <laughs> me and John regularly regularly reference our long-suffering partners who find us both to be absolute dickheads. Uh, Alex isn't either of them. But I feel the same. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think if anybody <laughs> met Alex and has met us, I don't think they're going to assume that we're partners anyway. Ian. <laughs> in, in, in all fairness okay so let's get it well we'll we'll, we'll get to know alex throughout the show so ian episode eight we've made it what are we going to be talking about today we're talking about words and phrases we're talking specifically there is a word for it actually that we used to use at college um and it was attributed to a friend of ours that we went to college with we're, we're not going to use that because we're not entirely sure whether he actually knew that we named this after him uh, other people may well know it as a malpropism or a, do- a dogbreism is it dogbreism is a shakespearean word named mm. after the character dogbury who yeah whereas Malpropism is a Sheridan word, I believe, both from playwrights, who this obviously used to annoy them as well. Yeah. And before we jump into it, then, we should acknowledge that already this show is modifying our behaviour because we did have a title ready to go. And then because you thought, hang on a minute, does he even know that we had this word based on this chap? Is it going to upset him if we just launch a show named after him, which is something he was unwitting about? So we didn't do it. Whereas maybe... Yeah couple of weeks ago we'd have done it yeah we're cured we're cured well we're on the way i think (laughs) okay and the other exciting feature to this show is not only have we got alex with us but because we're recording this after launch we've got interactions we have got suggestions from our can we call them fan base from people we know our fan base yeah the, the, D, the well. D-Bad community is probably a better way of describing it. The D-Bad family. Mm. Again, that's me taking it back to a cult again. Yeah, we need to stop doing that. <laughs> the Church of D-Bad. The Church of D-Bad hasn't come up for a few episodes now. Yeah. How are we doing on that? Have we even started working on the foundations yet? No, I need to start fundraising first, I think. I need myself a little collection plate. Yeah, well, in these times, a collection plate is just passing virus. It's going to have to be some kind of digital funding resource, surely. Okay, I'll look into that. Okay. doesn't sound very churchy. No. So who's <laughs> going to start us off then? Has somebody got a suggestion of a malapropism that is winding either you up or a member of our D-Bad community? I've got a story. Uh, um, quite a few years ago, uh, me and a friend Chris, we, used to, um, we were making a series of films and we were going around to various people's houses and whatnot to interview them. One lady's house that we went to we interviewed her and the interview went on for about half an hour or so. And as we left, we were walking back to the car. So we waved by at the door and then we turned and immediately Chris just said to me in a really slow, a really low voice, he said, I know exactly what you've been thinking for the last half hour. And I've been thinking the same thing. I've barely heard the interview. I was like, what was it? And he said, she said, whirlwind. 
instead of whirlwinds, you go, oh, it's just been a whirlwind. And, uh, and Chris just knew, Chris knew from the second she said it that it had been eating away at me for the last half hour. So there we go. So that's, that's my first one, whirlwind. Wow. I heard one recently. It was at a business event. I'm not going to name the speaker because he's fairly high profile, has got lots of money and could easily have me killed. But he was giving a speech about resilience in business and as part of his closing words, I'm pretty sure what he meant to say was, so I've said to the team, we need to work hard and win jobs. But what he actually said was, we need to work hard and rim jobs. And, Absolutely brilliant. And... And I just, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And I just kind of, I must have had this physical gasp on my face. But nobody else seems to register with it. Did nobody acknowledge it? Well, nobody cheered. Nobody started simulating what a rim job might look like. It was like, it just kind of, everybody held their professional decorum, which was most disappointing. If anybody's listening to this, who was there, because there was a few people there who I know, did you notice this? Or is this a very weird figment of my imagination? I mean, either's fine. It's provided a bit of content for this podcast, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. That's brilliant. And I'm pretty sure that's not what he meant to say. I love that. So, Alex, um, yeah. What what have what have, um, what have you come across in your life in, in terms of a malapropism or just basically saying the wrong thing? Actually, before. Before I let you answer that, I'll give you a little bit more time. We're calling this show malapropism, which is about using the wrong word. Whereas a lot of the things we're going to be talking about are not malapropisms. Mm. So there's a bit of a like, deep-seated irony there, much like the Alanis Morissette song, Ironic, which doesn't include any definitions of irony. Yes. So I'm giving you a bit of preparation there, Alex. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, it doesn't... I'm not that... Yeah, it does bother a lot of people, doesn't it? Like, we've had a lot of uh, comments saying about Pacific instead of specific. And just, and where's like that, and defiantly instead of definitely. And I do understand why people might think, oh, that's a bit of a different thing to do. But I don't see it like that. I see it as it's obviously a knowledge thing, or sometimes words just don't resonate with people, do they? Words don't what? (laughs) Did you say resonate instead of resonate? Oh, see, I'm the worst. I probably do it all the time, and people are probably thinking this girl is a dickhead. Well, and no. I can also I can't say I I be a pure fan. That is one word that I just can't say. I can't say That's it properly, funny. and for some reason, it just doesn't sink in. And it's made in your home. And I feel like people can't help this. And unless you're gonna correct someone and be nice about it, I think you mentioned it, John. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. We need to unpick a few things here. So. Okay. We're not necessarily, I don't think it, we're not saying that anybody who says the wrong word is a dickhead. So here's the thing. I think what's the interesting question here is, is the person saying the wrong thing a dickhead? Probably not. Or is it the person, is it the grammar pedant picking them Mm. up on it that's the dickhead? Quite possibly, yeah. Because I don't imagine anybody's ever done it and thought about it and thought, I'm a bit of a dickhead for doing this. And usually you know when you're being a bit of a dickhead. That's right. And and specifically, we've said, specifically, we've said in the in the first earlier episodes as well, I think dickheadery, the kind of dickheadery that we're talking about, does come from recognising that you've been a bit of a dickhead. Mm. I think uh, if it's not that, then it's possibly verging on going beyond so the dickheadery in here could be, as you say, in the grammar pedants. Looking yeah. at the comments that I've had on Facebook, 
there's actually little indications of that. So Nathan Major, who has said that uh, bad spelling is one of his gripes, along with people who say Pacific instead of specific, which, by the way, I don't understand that. Anyway, that, that does happen a lot. But then he then goes on to say, yes, I'm extremely petty, as though... Like, he's actually identified, not saying, yes, I'm a dickhead, but he's saying I'm extremely petty, so he's kind of aware of it. Yeah, but then you can't help thinking when people do it, oh, my God, you're a right dickhead. <laughs> I think you can help think that. I can't. You can't. Wow. Right. So, Beth Clark, um, it really winds her up when people use the word mortified to mean angry. I don't know. I've not really heard people say that. No. I've never come across that. Yeah. But she says so many people seem to, and she's, and she's capitalised so many, seem to think it means angry. It makes me angry when people use mortified wrong. Oh, that's from a mortified Beth Clark. So, and then she says, right, I'm off to go calm myself down before I mortify myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she seems to think that maybe there's there's an issue with herself there, rather than the. Well, actually, she mm. seems to think it's it's just like a a, a vicious circle. See what I did there, um, <laughs> of uh, people upsetting each other. Although I've learned something as well, because Vincent Withers, he identifies that people misuse decimated. Now I don't know if I agree with him here, because I guess what he means is people saying decimated to say things have been destroyed, whereas actually what it means is divided by ten. But I think the English language has evolved then because decimation used to be when the Roman soldiers, if they did mutiny or something like that, they would kill one in ten of them. But now it just means a lot of destruction. If you look it up in the dictionary, decimated means there's two, two definitions. One is to kill, destroy or remove a large proportion of. Mm. The other, historical, is to kill one in every ten of... Um, a group of people, mutinous Roman legion, um, as a punishment for the whole group. So similar to what the Russians maybe did before Stalingrad to make sure that no one deserted. Mm. And so for Vin, Vincent's only really upset if we don't use the one from 2,000 years ago. And yeah. It's like, yeah. And actually that historical thing's interesting because... If you talk to a lot of linguists, then they'll say, not that I do, but if you talk to linguists, then they'll probably say, well, if something's used widely, then it's, it becomes absolutely, absolutely fine to use and it, it brings it into the, um, into the English language. Yeah, but surely you wouldn't sail a boat across the specific ocean. <laughs> no, no, absolutely no. There's some ones that are just, just wrong, aren't there? So there's some things that are just wrong, some things where it's, I don't know, is it spelling ones that are just wrong, whereas grammar ones are more, like, acceptable, maybe? I don't know. Vincent also said, which I, I, I really like this one, Vincent Withers also said about when people are having a conversation, they say, like, so I turns around and I says to him, and so she turned around and she said, and so I turned around and I was saying, and you're thinking, like, Jesus, how dizzy are these people getting in this conversation? It must be horrific. They must just both be throwing up by the end of it, unable to stand. A very well-timed conversation on the revolving dance floor. Quite possibly, yeah. I've got a friend who says that, so I turned around and said all of the time, and I said to our other friends... Every time he says that, imagine him turning around so he tells you the rest of the story with his back to you. Does he do a 180 or does he do a 360? 
Oh, yeah. You see, I had assumed a 180. I reckon oh. he can do a 360, though. Hmm. Yeah. It'd be a bit like, you know, the end of Greece, where they do the you're the one that I want, and they're on the theme park, and they go on various bits of rides. But one of the rides that they go on are those little spinning discs, which are next to each other, and they sing, you're the one that I want, and they, like, spin round as they're doing it, and they sing it at each other every time they come round to face each other. They could even modify the track. So I turned around and said, you're the one that I want. Yeah. It, the yeah. whole thing would have a great meaning and context. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, what have you come across in your research? So I was actually going to go on to talk about some things that annoy me. Well, I think it's a bit of a dickhead thing to say, and I think a lot of us do it. So it's when I'm worrying about something, because I'm a worrier, I worry a lot. And it's I, everyone does this. I'm not saying that you, you, it's a dickhead thing to say, but it, it kind of is as well. When you're worrying about something and then someone says, oh, well, just don't worry about it. And it's like, we all do it, but it's, it's like, it's not helping anything, is it? That's really? interesting. That's interesting because that's bringing us into a whole new territory. And it's a good point. Uh, I like that because it's not just something that someone's getting wrong. This is something that someone says, which is, uh, I don't know, insensitive or, um, uh, mm. you know, like brushing it aside kind of thing. And that, that's a whole, and that, that mm. is dickheadery, I think, is it not, John? I agree entirely. Um, I know somebody who, when I talk about like a, a problem or an issue, they're saying is, oh, well, never mind, which basically means I don't want to talk about this or give you any emotionally intelligent response right now. Let's talk about something fun. It's only slightly better than anywhere at the end of it. <laughs> Mind you, I'm sure I do that on the podcast. <laughs> but that is a really good point, Alex, because... We're moving into a slightly different territory here. It's just one thing to just kind of say the wrong word, but that's an insensitive word. And linked to that, um, one of the community, a lady called Sally Gilbert, has said that she doesn't like it when someone starts a saying with no offence but, because nobody ever starts a sentence with that unless they're then going to, on to say something really offensive. No, that is very true. And that links in with lots of versions of that, doesn't it? I'm not racist, but... yeah. Not to be a dickhead, but... I voted Tory, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's, um, that links in with loads of those ones. That's absolutely, and that's, you're right, in the same uh, barrel as, um, as, as Alex's point there. Then we've got ones where people just seem to be getting risable reaction to new phrases. Chris Hines says, smash. I could smash a beer right now. Why would you want to smash a beer? Wouldn't you rather drink it? <laughs> I mean, that's fine. But but it's kind of like when you say, I, I could just demolish a burger. Yeah. <laughs> I like that, though. I think it's boring to just say eat and drink. I don't use it on the reg on a regular basis, but... It's similar to, like, Jamie, Jamie Rhodes has, has, has um, texted in to say about uh, a cheeky beer or beer o'clock or gin o'clock or something like that. And I'd like to add another one into there as well. It's people referring to their girlfriends or their wives as wifey. Honestly, that... that uh. Gets gets my goat. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? Rich Quells, obviously. I mean, Rich has really given us a personal example here. Obviously, I used to say this after every sentence. I once was interviewed by a big businessman many moons ago. He slammed his hands down on the desk and said, stop saying obviously, because everything is not that obvious. So true. I Rich has managed to tell quite an emotional story in just two sentences. There. Yeah. 
Yeah. And what happened in that story? But I don't think he says it anymore because it's been frightened out of him. Obviously. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was doing some interviews with um, someone um, not so long ago and they, uh, at the end of every single answer that the interviewee said, they said, that's fantastic. <laughs> and um, and the, the ended, no matter what he was asking them about, and it may well have been quite sensitive subjects at times, and he'd always finish it when they gave him the answer with, that's fantastic, and then he'd carry on. <laughs> Aside from that, he was a good interviewer. But doing interview is quite difficult because you can't give the back channel behaviour you would normally give because you don't want to pick up your audio. You nod along a lot more. So you're almost saving it up for the end of the sentence. So I've caught myself just going, wow, to something that really wasn't that amazing or fantastic, <laughs> as it turns out. And, <laughs> and I've got the kind of voice, if I'm not careful, it sounds really sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not being sarcastic, but neither am I being entirely genuine, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Rachel Bauer says, Callum hates the phrase, me thinks, like pizza me thinks. He also hates it when people say the phrase, I could care less, which should be, I couldn't care less. This is an American thing, yes. Americans say, I could care less, whereas in England we say, I couldn't care less, because I could care less doesn't really make sense, I don't think. I don't think that really makes sense. Is that where it's come from, America? I believe it's American, is I could care less, yeah. Well, I don't want to offend all of our American listeners, um, but you are wrong. But most of them are probably dickheads. Hayley Eskry has said she hates it when people say to cut a long story short after telling a long, boring story. Yes. What do we think? Yes. <laughs> but they might have done us a favour because the story might have been even longer and even more boring, and that was actually the abridged version. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about this one because I was researching this at the same time as uh, I was um, editing uh, one of our previous podcasts that hasn't come out uh, just yet. It's coming out next week, I believe. And as I was reading the research, then I started. I went back to my editing and John started with, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but anyway, two and a half minutes later, he finished that story. <laughs> See, I was doing as a favour. That full story is four and a half hours. <laughs> I missed out so much character development plot twists. <laughs> But people do tend to say that, don't they, to cut a long story short. I think that's when they can tell someone is already a little bit bored. So that's kind of... But you've already you've already bored the person. So, so who's the dickhead there? I mean, I think better to, for the person who's on the end, receiving end of the story to go, anyway, or halfway through somebody's story <laughs> go, oh, well, never mind. So on, on that, <laughs> I've got a friend um, who... Um, we were once all in the pub and we were all talking and like, you know, we were having a drink, just talking about, you know, whatever, nonsense and things. And, and he brought up the subject of, well, he, he suggested to us all um, that everyone has had a, 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 like a, a, a gay feelings or gay experience at some point in their lives. And quite a few of us were like, I don't think, I don't think that's true, really. And he said, no, no, I, don't, I think, you know, most people have. And we were like, oh, OK, then. And then he went on to tell us a story, and this was the story, and I'm going to tell it now verbatim. This is exactly what he said. He said, so I used to have a friend um, at school called Squirrel. We used to go back to each other's houses after school and whatnot, and one time we were around at Squirrel's house, and we were playing this game where you had to get from one side of the room to the other. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we ended up wanking each other off. 
<laughs> now, now surely that's the kind of story that should never ever be cut short because there are so many questions namely about squirrel hiding nuts you and cannot things. cut that you can't cut that short <laughs> and what, what was this game where you had to get from one side of the room to the other what yeah. whenever we whenever we see him now then uh, and you know and it's a, a, a do like someone's wedding or anything like that. Then someone always has to try and get into the phrase to cut a long story short, and everyone knows what they're talking about. We all told him at the time. We said you have no idea how many people we're going to have to tell about this. And sure enough, <laughs> in that same pub, about six months later, then we were uh, doing a pub quiz, and the guy who ran the pub quiz as he always does at the end of the quiz, he said, right, I'm going to read out the team names, give us a shout, let us know where you're at and where you're sat. And, um, and he called out the team names and he was calling out everyone's team names. And then all of a sudden he said, uh, okay, I don't know where this team is. Uh, their name is, to cut a long story short, we ended up wanking each other off. And from the other end of the pub, there was a massive cheer. And we got up to see who was cheering. And it turns out it was another friend's students that he, taught, he used to teach. <laughs> So, so we knew from that that he'd told all his students about this story because it was so good. Wow. Wow. There we go. So have either of you got any particular grapes of yours? I've got a massive one. And it is people, particularly people who tell you that they absolutely love the show, who say sex in the city instead of sex and the city. This makes me absolutely livid. When you get people who go like, oh, I love it. I absolutely, oh, I love, I love sex in the city. I love it. Oh, I wish I was, what's her name? Whatever her name is. I don't watch it, but I know Carrie. what it's ruddy called. Carrie, yeah. I, I know what it's called though. Unlike people who claim that they love it when they probably don't love it. They've just seen one episode and thought, oh, that was good luck. I'm just going to say it all the time to you now, Ian. Yeah. I don't mm. think it's been on TV for about 15 years. Mm. You've just been harbouring that hurt. I've been mortified. I know. When was the when was the last time somebody said that to you? Please. Uh, it was quite a while ago, but it is just a thing. It's always stayed with me. And in fact, it came up the other day. Uh, we were doing a quiz on Zoom because we're obviously <laughs> we're in the middle of the COVID nineteen lockdown. We were doing a quiz on Zoom, and one of the questions um, was about uh, Carrie from um, uh, or about Sarah right, Jessica Parker. Okay. And, uh, and so, we did, so I wrote yeah. it down. And then the quiz master said, oh, yeah, and of course, uh, Carrie was played by Sarah Jessica Parker, and that was in Sex in the City. And I was like, no, no, it wasn't, because se Sex and the City was the answer. I was like, if anyone's written Sex in the City, they don't get the point. They don't get the point. <laughs> wow. So, there we go. Uh, I nearly made an absolute prat of myself in the Dominican Republic. We were in an all-inclusive hotel and we was with the kids. So we generally went to the bar late and then they went back. And one night we went to the nightclub there and they were having a men versus women thing where we, other ends of the club and they put a chair in the middle and did like a quiz. And then you had to run to the chair if you knew the answer and get a point for your team. And it got to the decider and they played the intro to a song and then you would run to the chair and sit down. And they started playing Uptown Funk. And the lady that got there first sat down and said, is it Bruno Mars? And he went, yeah, and all the women like, ah. And I was mortified. I was thinking, that is not a Bruno Mars song. It is a Mark Ronson song featuring Bruno Mars. And I'm sitting there, I think you'll find. And I, I 
but I didn't. But I was so, I mean, I was quite drunk as well. I was tempted to just go and grab the microphone and try and out the situation. I think we'd have all known who the dickhead in that situation was. This is brilliant. I love this because it's like you're on the verge of being like Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> All your stories about how you've nearly entered arguments like Larry David would do, but you've decided not to and you've just managed to hold back. But one day there'll be like, you know, the branch that broke the donkey's back and you'll, um, you'll flip. And I just seem to oscillate between Larry David, David Brent and Alan Partridge. I don't even know if you can oscillate three ways. That might be a... Uh... Propism is in and of itself, but oh yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. definitely. I, don't even, I think I'm past the brink, and I also seem to be um, holding myself accountable to thought crimes, which I don't need to do. Which um, mm. go back to our earlier episode about mistakes. I've definitely got some unresolved issues there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything wind you up, Alex? To be honest, when I was thinking about it, apart from like when I said about the people saying don't worry, nothing, it doesn't really wind me up, I wouldn't say. Another thing that I think is quite annoying is when you're looking for something, I'm guilty of doing it as well, and then someone says, well, where, where did you last have it? When did you last have it? But if I knew this, I wouldn't be looking for it, would I? But then it's, it's a thing that everybody just seems to say to that, and that, that bothers me a little bit. But apart from that, I, I don't get overly upset about it. Yeah, that's a good point. Where did you last have it? Well, I last had it in the place where I lost it, quite obviously, dickhead. Yes, See, dickhead. I disagree with you both on this. I think that's a legitimate question because let's say you're trying to find something and maybe you're so mentally impaired that you hadn't even considered where the last place you had it and you just needed a prompt. You might need to regroup. The question is, where do you last remember having it? Not where did you last have it? But it's... Yeah, well, I suppose from the conscious man, that's the same question. But when I'm looking for something and I'm, I'm getting a bit stressed about it and then someone someone asks me when I last had it, that just infuriates me a little bit. So I think you're a dickhead when I hear that. But I probably do it as well, so... Mm. But that mm. is about the self-reflection that we get from the D-Bad podcast. I've got one that <laughs> my friends have great amusement in watching me get angry about. And I've had this for a few years now, and I don't really know where it's come from. But I get really agitated when people refer to something like a chimpanzee or a, a gorilla as a monkey. Anything from the apes as a monkey. It's a completely different animal. It is, monkeys have got tails, they tend to walk on all fours, and they tend to be a lot smaller. It's, to me, if you put a monkey next to a bonobo... That like you've got some kind of little mandrill or something. It's clearly not the same creature. So why has that happened? And it happens all the time. And even like you'll have the the PG tips chimp chimpanzees, and people will make jokes about monkeying around. But it's a different it's a different creature. I just don't understand how that's happened. I'm shaking wow. now. I'm shaking. <laughs> Take me to a zoo, right? Put me near some apes. Wait till like a family come across. Where like you've got like a little three-year-old, mommy monkey, and I'll be like, no, it's not, and I'll draw them a picture of the the great apes and how sure that, that we're actually okay. There's there is like uh, an evolutionary thing there, so we're not completely unconnected, but it's clearly a different creature. Yeah, I've got such a funny vision in my head now of that. I think that you need to do that. What of me going full Larry David yeah. in the zoo? We should do an on-location podcast just wandering around the zoo with you. Well, I will tell you we won't be 
arresting me, the grammar police. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that joke doesn't quite work, but please give me a bit of uh, of leeway there. So we've identified a few different forms of um, malapropism and... But we seem to be wrestling a little bit around where the dickheadery lies. Because if somebody makes a mistake, mm. should we correct them? Or does that make us the dickhead in the situation? Oh, it's very difficult because you kind of need to correct them sometimes. I think if someone overuses it, like someone I know says were instead of was, like, uh, I were just going to the shops. And I think when they, and they, but they use it like, like all the time. And I think you've got to mention it to them then. People seem to use that the, the wrong way around with where and was and wasn't where, as though it's like a um, dialect. Yeah. So are you like telling somebody from South Yorkshire that, no, your way of life is wrong? This person's from Hull. I'll tell you what else South York Leeds do as well, is they say us instead of our. That really annoys me. Mm. I don't think you can correct, correct people on if it's like local dialect. Kind of for what? When they're in your area and using it incorrectly, you'll be like, you can say that, but people are going to think you're of significantly below average intelligence. <laughs> I feel like personally, I wouldn't correct. If I noticed somebody doing it, I wouldn't correct them unless it was somebody that I felt really comfortable with and I knew that they wouldn't be offended. Because I think it's you can come across as if you're belittling them in a way, I think. What about if you heard someone correcting someone else? Would you think they were a dickhead? I think it's the way that I think it's the way that you do it, I guess. And if it's genuinely just trying to help somebody, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think if it's kind of saying, "Well, why are you saying that? You're saying that wrong." I don't know. I think it's completely in the, the way that you say it. I think you're right, Alex. I think you've cracked it. I mm. think it's if you're doing it to genuinely help someone, yeah, that's fine. If you're doing it to make you look superior or make them feel bad, that's dickheadery. And I think especially if it's in front of other people, I know if I maybe said a word wrong and then somebody corrected me in front of a lot of people, I'd, I, I might feel a bit stupid. So I wouldn't want to make someone else feel like that. So that's probably why I wouldn't personally do it. I mean, imagine being a new presenter on a podcast only three minutes in <laughs> when your co-host zoned in on the <laughs> Because when I was thinking about I probably do these things and you both probably think she's a dickhead. But, yeah. Whoa, whoa, right, okay, right. <laughs> No, right? Whether or not I think you, a dick, you are a dickhead is nothing to do with you using the incorrect word. <laughs> it's a whole yeah. different... Story. Make of that what you will. Do you know, interestingly, I was reading... There was a, a couple of American linguists did a study on this, on, on grammar pedants and things. And what they did is they, they uh, gave them uh, a load of letters, some that had been written by friends some that had written, been written by um, uh, strangers and things. And in some of them, there were a few typos. In some of them, there were some grammar errors. Some of them were perfectly written. And they asked them to um, mark them and, and tell them why, why they didn't like them and whatnot. But then what they also did is they asked them to then, after they'd finished that, fill in a personality questionnaire about what kind of person they were. And interestingly, and it's especially interesting since we're three people who quite happily do a podcast that's broadcast out to, well, anyone in the world, but at the moment, more specifically, our friends and family. And what they found was that introverts, introverts are more likely to get annoyed by typos and grammar uh, or grammars, grammar Mm. problems. Oh, and not only that, they wouldn't. They'd be less likely to want to share their lives with you 
if you are error prone. She's interesting. Right, introverts. Okay. Yes. So there we go. Are introverts also more likely to commit massacres? And things? Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, I suppose one explanation for that is that extroverts, they just want to get on with life and enjoy it and things like that. And they're not interested. Not worried in, too much about Yeah, they're not so worried too yeah. much. They're just really happy about meeting new people, whereas introverts are more likely to, to, to think about this more. I don't know. Well, that is an intellectual note for us to end the show. That must be uh, your influence, Alex. Um, so we've covered quite a lot of ground there. Um, if you're listening to this show, I was just gonna—I was just about to say—if you're listening to this show after we've put it out, um, <laughs> which you clearly are, um, and you think we've missed anything, please do tweet at dbad underscore uk. And we may come back to this as another topic because we know that the community did quite enjoy mm. taking part in this one. And thank you for doing so. It's, it's certainly made for uh, an easier show for us, less research required. So thank you for listening. I've been John Gilbert. I've been Ian Thompson. I've been Alex King. And remember, don't, don't be, be a dickhead. dickhead.